Good morning. I hope you're doing well. Before I begin today, I, I really want to be obedient to what the Lord has told me to put on my heart. And so I just kind of want to throw this out there um, to you guys. Uh, about six weeks ago, we did a, some type of an altar call here at the church. And the altar call was basically, if you have church issues, please stand. And I was shocked that 98% of the congregation stood. And so I was thinking about this, and during my prayer time, Jennifer and I went to Mammoth uh, Sunday after church last week, and I really felt the Lord say, you're responsible for giving people some church issues. And I went, wow. Because I judge myself simply on my intention, right? But other people judge me on my behavior. And so I thought, okay, is this you, Lord, and stuff? Because I would think I would never give anyone church issues because I know my intention. But I want to throw it out there. If I've ever hurt you as a pastor, please talk to me. Because I want to pray with you. I want us to pray together. I want to give an olive branch out. Because we're in this restore in order to restore, and we're doing a relaunch in our church in October. And I really felt I need to be, I need to throw this out there. Because I'm an avid believer in the 12-step program, which means part of that steps is reconcile. And so it's hard to restore in order to restore when we have animosity or anger or hurt, whatever it may be, towards a pastor. So just pray about it, and I'm going to send an email in August, and pray for me, because I don't know what's out there. I'm just being obedient. And uh, so in October, we can be free to restore our lives and do this, okay? So it took a lot of courage to do this, to say this to you guys, and if you know anybody that's part of this church or not part of this church that definitely has issues with the pastor, bring it to my attention, bring it to their attention, and uh, hopefully by October that we all can be just free from any anger or resentment or animosity. I have no idea who it is. I'm just throwing that out there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for uh, just allowing me to be obedient and just authentic and being honest. And I just pray, Lord, as we go into this message, that you anoint me in your Holy Spirit. We just thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do, what you've been doing in this church, and we just pray, Lord, that we will ride the wave of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever known that you needed to do something, and you haven't done it yet? Am I the only one that does that? Because I'm going to throw all my stuff out there. And so the thing is, we all have these things in our lives that we go, I need to do this, I should do this, I'm going to do this, and then somehow we don't do it. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that we're all, we're all to blame, we all have this, and there's people in my office that come into my office that sit there for an hour, an hour and a half in, the, in a counseling session, and after the session they go, I know what I need to do, Pastor. I know what I need to do, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I say, great, and we pray together, and we leave, and I go, in my head, they ain't going to do it. The reason they ain't going to do it is because they're not ready to do it yet, right? 
Because there's times in my life right now, I'll be honest with you, going to the doctor. You would think two years ago when I had the mini stroke that I would be consistent going to a doctor. I haven't been to a doctor since. Remember what our t-shirts say. Because <laughs> I heard it. I felt it. Because I wasn't ready. And so all of a sudden, three days ago, I just told Jennifer, hey, can you get me a new doctor? Because I can't stand my doctor. And, he's, and she goes, yeah. And I'm going to get a new card in three days. And my goal is to make an appointment to get a full physical by September. And so... But I wasn't ready until I'm ready. This is why I, I titled the message, if you look on the screen, Ready or Readied. I got inspired by the would and wouldn't, you know, what we heard on the, t on the news lately. And so are we readied or readied? And this is where I'm finding myself out that sometimes do I get myself ready to do what the Lord wants me to do? Or is God readied me or gets me ready for restoration. Now, I have to be obedient, and I have to be open to it, and I have to take the steps of faith, but man, when it really talks to the, where the Lord's working in my life, is he trying to ready me so that I can be transformed, that I can be restored into what God has called me to be? Now, I have to cooperate with God, don't I? And usually when we cooperate with God, God takes you on paths that you necessarily would not choose. That's why a lot of people go, hey, I, I just don't hear God. I go, good, because if God talks to you, he's going to bring you in places you don't want to go. Or ask for forgiveness or whatever that may be. If you look on the screen, restoration, I'm finding out, is a process that is led by God's grace in which we choose to participate. Our participation in God's will and our own restoration has to be willing. We have to be willing to do it. We have to do our part, but God does his part too. And God's part is to restore us and to remove some of the hurt and the brokenness in our lives, which are covered with pride. And so therefore we can be ready. Now, as you probably know, we did a, a summer series. We're doing a summer series that's simply titled The Road to Restoration. And last week, we took another side trip, and Pastor Al did a, a standing job, if you guys were here last week. You know, the thing is, as a pastor of this church, you don't want to put somebody that's a better preacher than you. So that's the last time Al's preaching. <laughs> that's not right, is it? I, I'm still on the process of restoration. <laughs> Excellent job. Did an outstanding job. And I told Al, people have been coming up to me during the week and said, Pastor Al did a phenomenal job. It really spoke to us. The week before that, I talked about bearing and bearing the truth. And the week before that, I talked about uh, being honest with our sore spots, or AKA, don't push my buttons. They're your buttons. You've got to deal with them. And so we truly experience this unconditional, when we truly experience this unconditional love, this unconditional grace, then we find the courage to be honest with who we are. And when we find the courage to be who we are, we don't just separate the parts that we don't like about ourselves and just say, these are the parts that I like about myself. So I project this image of stuff that I'm proud of, but I hide the areas that I'm embarrassed of. 
And so when somebody says, Pastor, you're a great pastor, or Pastor, I love you, then I'm thinking, you don't know me. You know what I'm projecting. Have you ever had someone say, I love you, and then you go, no, you don't. You don't know who I am. That's your fault. And so this is where God and the restoration takes us to a place where he says, you know what? I want all those pieces because that's who you are, 100% of who you are. See, on the screen, restoration is a process that is led by God's grace in which we choose to participate. And so when we truly experience being honest with him, back on the screen, change can't happen until we are able to face the hard truth about ourselves. If we aren't seeing the fact that parts of our lives are flawed, then there will be no need for restoration. You get how deep that statement is? If I don't think that I'm flawed, I don't need restored. You've heard people say, hey, I'm fine. Everyone else is screwed up. You got a pride problem. We all need to be restored. And once we begin to be open with our brokenness, open with who we are, in a safe place, there's where restoration begins. That's why we can begin to bear, B-A-R-E, the truth about ourselves to others because we know that they will bear, B-E-A-R, our truth without judging us. Instead of judgment, they will lift us up and encourage us in prayer. So therefore, we can begin to restore. And that begins today, to be made ready. But ready for what? I mean, ready, I get it, but ready for what? Look on the screen. Once we begin to see the truth about ourselves in the light of grace, we can start to realize that we have character defects. And those defects are really just barriers to our ability to be who we really are and to love well. We must be made ready by God to remove those barriers which keep us from being our true self. You get it? And so here's what the problem is. We, most of us live through our character flaws. What I mean by that, if you heard this, hey, live with it. This is, how, this is who I am. Live with it. Have you ever heard that? And then and all of a sudden you go, wow, do you really want to be that way? Because that's not who you are. That is your brokenness that you're living through. You're not allowing the Lord to restore you. And so therefore, what's sad is that inner readiness has to be from God because you've accepted the label, this is the way that I am. And so therefore, you've got to live with it. And so what happens, we're living a false identity, pretending this is who we are. Here's some examples that your pastor had to deal with. I'm telling you, this guy here, if you want a poster child for issues, look in the dictionary. It says spiritual emotional issues. It's me. Okay? But I'm working through it. There are three, three motivations, motivators that contribute to our false self. Now, hear me out here. I may just go and hit some raw spots, but I, I've hit all my raw spots, too. The first motivation is anger. We live in a society that's just ticked off right now. It is so divisive, it's unbelievable. If you can have a huge fight in Hollywood over a star, this is crazy. Somebody, some group has some anger issues here. Okay, this is not normal. And so out of anger, 
favorite behaviors is rage or passive aggressive or resentment. And these are the ingredients that produces anger. And sometimes we can just have a temper that all of a sudden we just go, wow, and start blowing up and start yelling and start, I don't know if you've had those outer body experiences in your life and you go, what am I doing? But I'm doing it. I'm yelling. I'm saying things right now that I'm going to totally regret. But I'm angry. Have you ever done that? You just shoot. <laughs> da, 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 da. You know, I don't care who's in the room. I'm, I'm just mad. And we've had people in our family or in, in your family that do this, and you're going, oh, my goodness, let's avoid this person. But if you're uh, with anger, sometimes you're passive-aggressive that you do this. Have you ever seen people do this? You're going, this guy's going to turn big and green and rip his clothes right now because he's trying to control his anger, right? And he's taking a deep breath, and you become passive-aggressive. And when you do that, what happens? Your resentment starts building up and all that attitude. And then your joy is totally sucked out of your life because you're trying to control it. You're trying to say this. I don't know if you've been with your family. The longest 48 hours for me is with my family. If I only had 48 hours to live and I wanted that to seem the longest ever, it would be with my dad. <laughs> okay? Because I'm just constantly doing this. You know, the thing is, this is terrible. And so you see how it works where all of a sudden the other motivation factor that we have in a, through our false self is called shame. This is one thing a lot of Christians struggle with. Shame, the behaviors are poor boundaries, goal-driven, being unique. As a pastor, when I went in the ministry, it was everybody first. Because I had no boundaries whatsoever. If you have no boundaries, this is a problem. Because you don't want to disappoint everybody. And you put everybody out first. And you just, whatever, you do this and do that. Say, so, yeah, whatever you want to do. But deep down you're going, oh, I don't want to do this. Or like me, goal-driven. You know, a lot of people, now being driven by goals is fine. It's good. But your motivation while you're driven by goals, for me, when I, I was, when I started this church, I go, man, I want to do this. I want to get to double service. I want to get to three service. I want to do this. I want to go to southern Sudan to start a mission. I want to do this. The motivation, get approval from my dad. You see? And so I still have it. And I'm thinking if I had a church of 5,000, I still wouldn't get it. But the thing is, sometimes our motivation is is for approval and our motivation of goals. And this is why when we achieve certain goals, we don't have that satisfaction of a completement because we look, am I worth something? Am I worth something? Am I worth to be loved? Can I be loved now? And so therefore, when we try to control this, we embrace the hopelessly flawed inner self of who we are. And this is who we are. In motivation three which a pastor deals with, is fear. Do you notice a lot of us have fear in our lives? Behaviors, withdrawal, anxiety, fickleness. I'm telling you how stupid my fears are sometimes. When I drive on the 405 freeway, and I want to go on the 105 freeway, you ever done that little ramp thing? That thing that's, that's 90 stories high? I'm always praying, Lord, please not have an earthquake hit right now. Just That's all I want. And then when I'm stuck in traffic on that thing, I'm going, oh, Lord, please. This is all I need right now. Because we have a fear. 
we have a fear of venturing out because of, of, of ISIS or whatever or, or people killing people we see on the news and all this stuff. And so therefore we isolate ourselves and we go, I'd just rather stay home. I don't want to go to a concert at the Forum. I don't want to go to a stadium. I don't want to do this. And so this is so interesting because we feel that the more information that we, re we receive in life, that the more peace I'm going to feel. So I watch the news. I get the information. What's going to happen? Do you notice the more information you get, the less peace you have? And you're just going, this is not working. It's like the doctor that tells me, hey, if I had cancer and said, here's all the information why you have cancer, and I go, Oh, man, my peace. It ain't going to work. And so I'm learning this for myself. And so those who deny their fear latch on to certain religions, latch on to certain organizations or jobs, and order all their motivation is to feel safe in certain areas. These are what you call the grass or greener people. That basically, look, I'm going to live here, I'm going to move here, it's safer there. You know, the safest place in the United States from natural disasters is Spokane, Washington, which happens where my dad lives. Not natural disasters, maybe emotional disasters for me, but not a natural disaster. Do you see? And so people gravitate towards that. And so we want to control fear, and then we come across fickle, because these are painful situations in us, and we're, we're scared to make commitment to relationships. We're scared to make commitments to things because we, want, we don't want to be locked into one certain place. So when we experience these nine factors that gravitate towards our false self, then we lack restoration in our lives. See, back on the screen. We may think rage, me, passive, aggressive, resentment, having poor boundaries, being overly goal-driven, having to be different, isolation, anxiety, fickleness, is just who we are. We confuse this for our true self. And when, in fact, these things tend to come from our false self, they are barriers to loving ourselves, God, and each other. You know, when I started dating Jennifer... I hated women because I just was, had bad experiences with four of them that just skewed my thing because I projected. And so therefore I had to deal with a lot of these issues before I began to love, truly love Jennifer because I wanted a healthy relationship. I didn't want to project this is who I am. I did this in previous relationships. It didn't work. And so when I first met Jennifer, and it was starting to be serious, I took my brokenness, and I took who I really am, and I told her everything. These are my fears. This is it. And when she continued to date me, and when she said, I love you, I felt it because it was me. And how I did this is then you learn to be what is your true self. Look on the screen. My true self is this, and your true self is this. I am a ch God's child, period. I am dearly loved by God. I make God happy. I don't need to earn God's love. He's happy with me. He's happy with you. 
I mean, I'm sure someone's going to say, you know, frickin' really means this. And I'm going, that's fine. But God's happy. God's happy with you. And I make God happy. You make God happy. And I can do nothing to earn this identity. We live in a love, a conditional love society. And so, therefore, everything's about earning. But one thing you can't earn because it gives you is God's love. We tend not to live in this identity. And, 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 and instead of earning it, all we have to do is live in this identity. I just need to step into this identity. But here's the problem. When I have anger or shame or fear or barriers or, or lack of truth in my life, it prevents me from living in this identity. Do you see? And so, therefore, I've got to release some of this stuff in order to live the identity God has given me. <laughs> This is interesting because every week that I preach, I'm going to do the, what's called the pastor's corner that leads up to uh, our, the first Sunday of October. And I'm going to do this to show when we relaunch a church. And a relaunch goes from October to June. And I, 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 I just remembered that restoration is not just spiritually but it's physically and it's emotionally and it's healthiness and stuff like this. This is why restoration takes so long. So Jennifer and I went to Mammoth on Sunday. And I, I was we were supposed to go to Yosemite. And I want to show this picture of Half Dome. I, went, I climbed this dome twice when I was 18 and 21 years old. I had three attempts in my 30s. I want to do this. I want to climb this again. But my body needs to be restored. And I need to put myself through some exercising. So eating right and stuff like this. And so when Jennifer, everything's a sermon illustration to me. So when Jennifer and I went to the top of Mammoth, we didn't hike Mammoth. We took a gondola up to Mammoth and we stood in front of the sign that looked like we hiked it. 11,053 feet. And I was constantly thinking, this mountain is huge and it's called Mammoth. And I'm thinking spiritually and emotionally, what mammoth things that I need to release in my life is fear. So then I saw them building this. I don't know how in the world they got this tractor up there. But they're building the world's highest zip line. The world's fastest zip line. Speeds above 60 miles an hour. I want to do it. I want to do it. And so I called Al Johnson two days ago. I go, Al, where is Al? He was dis okay. I go, Al, seriously, when we finish this, this recalibration, when we finish this relaunch, I want us to face our fears. And I go, I want you and I to do our electric car driving up to, and, and I said, we want to go on a zip line. So his response was this. Have you ever seen a black man on a zip line? <laughs> and I go, that's true. I haven't seen, maybe that's a white boy thing. <laughs> But I, I want, I, maturity is overrated. I want to I live. I want to enjoy life. 
I, I, want, I don't want to live in fear anymore. I don't want to live in shame anymore. I don't want us to live in this constraints of what the society tells us to live. I want to live the way God has created us. This is why God has called us children, because we need to go back to being childlike. Because when we're children, we dreamed. When we're children, there was no boundaries. When we're children, we just enjoyed life. Well, some of us did. Maybe some of us had a crappy life. But here's what to expect. We're going to start a grace track. And Brooke, God love him, has been writing this for months. It's called The Heroic Journey. And The Heroic Journey, we're going to do a beta program of this. This is our new way of discipling others and discipling that we can live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit, live in the freedom of the, from fear and stuff like this. But here's the thing. I've been a pastor, been part of the church 55 years. I've been a pastor for 36 years. I've been at this church for 20 years. I've seen discipleship programs that are based on information, based on memorization of certain scripture, based on theology and stuff. And then all of a sudden we give this diploma. We say, look, you are a disciple from Christ and this is great. And then all of a sudden you stand there and go, now what? I got all this information, but yet I'm still living in shame. I'm still living in fear. I'm still living in doubt. And this is why we titled The Heroic Journey. And so on the screen, we want to provide a roadmap for a journey on restoration. Restoration is about being made ready by God. It's about what God does in us by grace as we become willing to move and step with God. God's readiness us. We take a step and God removes barriers in our lives that keeps us from lo loving well. Restoration is a journey of grace that makes space in us to be who we truly are in Christ. And so we're going to take our leadership through this as a beta program, a beta group on this grace track. And then we're going to open it up to the rest of the church. But if you want to be part of beta, sign up for it. I'm open to it. And so this is restored and be, be ready to help others in their restoration. I saved the New Testament passage, scripture passage, the last one Paul captures. Because I look at Ephesians that we read today and I go, dang, dude, this guy's brilliant. Because he wrote this restoration process of a prayer. And, and what's amazing about it, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward now. And I want to pray this. We're going to sing a song, and I really want you to realize. Do I want to be restored? Do I want to be free? Do I really want to live out of shame, out of anger, out of this motivation of my false self? And do I really want to be true? And let me tell you this. I'm not there yet because a false self will pull. But I'm telling you right now, I need to be readied. We all need to be readied. Because it's not willpower that restores us. It's the almighty God that restores us. The same God that's moving this world, rotating this world, is the same power that you and I can have. So let's worship now, and then we'll go into the prayers, prayers that will lead us into prayers, and then what Brooke will lead us into prayers of the people. Let's continue to worship. If my heart is over, 
singing the Holy Spirit wanted me to give a word. If you feel stuck in life, whoever that needs to hear this, because you're living in a filter of somebody else's expectation. You hear me? Because we have a society that puts us in certain situations. 
and acts a certain way. And I live that too. People have an expectation of what a pastor should be. But I want to live what God has called me to be. Not what religion, religion tells me that I should be. You hear me? Look at the screen as we pray. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner self. From the riches of glory through the Spirit. Lord, make us ready. Let's continue to pray as our inner selves that we've been hiding, Lord. I just pray right now that that inner self will become to come out. That childness, that likeness, that child that used to have joy in their lives, hope in their lives, direction in their lives. I pray, Lord, that we will never be fixed, fixated in our false identity anymore. Maybe it's anger or maybe it's shame that you're struggling with. Maybe it's fear. And whatever's getting you stuck from preventing to embracing the Holy Spirit's unconditional love, I ask God to show you right now what is preventing that. I pray that you will ask God to say, God, what is my true identity in you? Who am I? Not what people say I am. But who am I in you? Let the Spirit show you where the anger has taken over your joy, where the anger has broken your dreams, and replace that in the likeness of God's child. May you dream again. May you smile again. May you have hope again. May you have joy again. Let the Spirit show you how the shame has prevented you to be joyful. How shame has prevented you to a sense of, of just low self-esteem. I pray that you are dearly know that you are loved by God. Let the Holy Spirit show you how fear can be replaced with a sense of how you made God happy. How God is not mad at any of us. And as we look on the screen, I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith as a result of having strong roots in love. This is Paul, dude. This is Paul's prayer. Christ living in our hearts is in the very presence of love. Let it be the center of who we are, the being of who we are. Let us learn to trust in the presence of your Holy Spirit and not in the false sense of other people that have low self-esteem that are putting us in this category that we should live. Let us not be motivated by guilt. Instead, let us be, be rooted, in, in, rooted in God and not in our false behaviors. Let us realize that man, we are loved by Jesus and he needs to be the center of our being. Let us know that we can face any storm that's coming into our life, any storm that we're in the midst right now. Let us understand that you are our anchor. That when we realized when the disciples were panicking and Jesus came out of the boat, he was with them in the midst of the storm. Let us realize that whatever storm that we face now, that you are in the midst. So I want you to think, what storm are you facing now? 
welcome Christ right in the middle of that. Ask Jesus to fill you with his love. Anchor yourself in an unchanging love. Anchor yourself in an anchor that will not be broken, a chain that cannot be released from you. It's his love. And I pray that you will learn in the midst of this crazy storm that you're living now, that you can learn to trust him through this, that you know without a doubt that through your trusting through the storm that you are being restored in order to restore situations ahead of you. Back on the screen, I ask that you have the power to grasp love, width and length, height and depth, together with all believers. Lord, make us ready. God wants us to grasp our new vision for life. God wants us to dream again. God wants us to hope again. God wants us to move again. God wants to restore whatever relationship you have, but it begins with you, and it begins with me. And we pray that we're not struggling with shame, but we'll be released as we take off our physical clothes every night before we go to bed, that we can release the shame and anger and frustration every single day. Blind us with the things that we, are the hatred that we have. Blind us from the hatred and anger that we see in our society, but encourage us to move to change things that we say we cannot change. And ask the Spirit now for vision of living into unlimited grace and unlimited love. What would it look like if there was no ceiling or floor to love that you can share with God and others? What would it look like if there was no barriers between race? If there was no barriers and people that earn a lot of money or no money or racial barriers, that there's no barriers, that we can live together as one body of Christ. Ask God to give you a specific vision right now. Something that you think is impossible, something that you've given up, that the Lord is reminding you that you need to bring it up again, that you need to trust him in this situation because it's not too late. And maybe that's a relationship that you have been unwilling to reconcile. Or maybe it's a group that you need to stop judging them as a group of people. Ask the Spirit to bring it to your life, what you need to release. Now ask Christ to help you take the next step into that vision. Ask the Lord to remove the barriers that you and I have had to be free of the fear and the shame and the anger. Back on the screen, I ask you, you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Being filled with Christ is being filled with God. And what happens is when your cup overflows, then it overflows to other people that therefore they can gravitate towards the hope that you have, the joy that you have, the peace that you have, that therefore we can move into a restoration process that will help others restore. God just does, 
doesn't restore you just to have joy. God restores all of us so that our joy spills out, that we can prevent suicide, that we can prevent discouragement, that we can be the joy in somebody's life, that we can just gravitate towards our family, and that our families and our marriages and our body here can be full of joy. As we come to communion, I pray, Lord, I pray that communion is a constant reminder of who we don't want to have to the table with us. Our resentment, our anger, our bitterness, and we, we put ourselves in a bubble and we don't think of these people that we have an animosity to or hurt or anger towards, that we do it in ourselves. And scripture makes it clear that the freedom that we have and the, uh, the forgiveness that we have in Christ, the forgiveness that we need to give others. Let the Spirit fill this room and remind us of who we need to make things right. This is where the barriers break down. And once the barriers break down, I'm telling you right now, is where the restoration begins. And God's Spirit put a face and mind and eye on someone who is unwilling to share the table with. Now ask Christ to be ready to include people at your table. Maybe it's different people of different races or different pol uh, political uh, stands, or whatever that may be, that we are all humans in this planet together. And ask God to restore you so that you can restore others. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for loving me. And thank you for not giving up on me in these two years of giving and taking it back and giving it and taking it back. I thank you, Lord, for the incredible marriage that I had. And I just pray, Lord, as we move into this fall, that we can celebrate, we can be, un we can be childlike, that we can meet our fears, that oh, I can do a crazy zip line if we want to and act like children. Or whatever it may be as a church, that we can all face the fears that have been holding us back from the joy that you want to give us. Let us continue to pray with uh, Brooke as he prays for the prayers of the people.